I've always wanted to be an architect. I always wanted to be an architect. Oh my God. I have always wanted to be an architect. I've always wanted to be an architect. I've always wanted to be an architect. I've always wanted to be an architect. Eric, thank you for uh, coming on here. I think uh, this will be fun and um, I'm looking forward to actually the conversation. So thanks for having me on today. So Eric, as you know, last season we had uh, our podcast, Always Wanted to Be an Architect. And the focus of last season was about the relationships that architects have. And actually, and I've said this to a couple of people already, you and I probably could have had that conversation last season because we do have a relationship and we have worked together for a long time now between architect and realtor. This season, the uh, focus is on the process and where you fit in is the second part of the sort of list of items that come into play, which is first part being the idea, second part being looking for the site where you can put your idea. So that's, that's where you fit in. And I thought, you know what? Eric uh, could be a perfect person to sit and talk with and, and have this conversation and, and tell our audience about what that takes and what that process is about um, finding that 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 perfect piece of property. So, so why don't you first introduce yourself, tell everybody about who you are, who you work for, and um, what type of real real estate that you focus on. Appreciate that. So again, my name is Eric Massey. Uh, you know, local Sarasotan work with MSC Commercial, Michael Saunders and Company's Commercial Division. It's our acronym, MSC Commercial. And I've been with them for 22 years uh, now. It's been a long time. Kind of got into this, the interest of it. You know, when I was a kid, uh, my stepfather was a developer and did quite a bit of uh, developing locally. And so at dinners, gatherings, everything really are, all we talked about was construction and new homes and clients and all the issues that go along with that. It's amazing how many little things go into a, a development that no one ever thinks or talks about. And it just got into my blood. So, you know, as I went through college, kind of went into the business side of things and then ended up uh, in Miami at Cushman and Wakefield before coming home to Sarasota. And it's funny, we were in Miami and decided we wanted, my wife and I, to, my first wife wanted to have kids. And so we went Thought we'd move back to Sarasota, and so I landed at MSC Commercial, and it's been great ever since. It's a great organization, so excited to be here. And so, you know, it's funny, when I was 21, I'm uh, working at uh, Michael's on East as a waiter, real fast, and bump into two gentlemen that are having lunch, and they're talking about real estate. So I told them I want, hey, I'm listening to you guys, I'd like to get into real estate. So they had me come, and they hired me. So I sold residential real estate for a couple of months. I kind of got into it about a year and pretty much it was different from commercial. You know, the funny thing about residential real estate is that a lot of the work happens between say four and seven at night and on weekends. And I knew pretty quickly that at some point I'd want to have a normal life. And I say that playfully, I'm not disparaging commercial real estate in any way like that, but that you know, that those hours weren't really going to be conducive to being married and having kids because that's usually when your kids are at home and on weekends. And so uh, kind of felt like the business model of commercial uh, versus residential made sense for me. I was more interested in analyzing valuations and like researching real estate. And uh, that was it just wasn't like that. So you know, pretty pretty quickly found myself hedging into commercial real estate. Yeah. So go a little bit more into that. What makes commercial real estate that 
much different and what attracts you that much more to it, really. Absolutely. It's funny, while they both say real estate at the end, they really almost have no connectivity. You know, the, the, the types of people that you're dealing with in commercial real estate are attorneys, lenders, architects like yourself, professionals that generally are working quite candidly Monday through Friday, kind of more traditional business hours. And so commercial kind of lent itself to really working your 50 hours a week for the most part during the week days. And that allowed you to go network and and kind of have a little bit of a life on the weekends. And that's just the surface of it. I also really enjoy working with that caliber of person and often their lifelong relationships. I mean, we've known each other for 15 years now. Many, many of the lenders I've worked with and my contemporaries I've known for 15 or 20 years. It feels like sometimes residential is a little more transient and some of the people that are, you know, that participate in that, that industry, but really just enjoy the the deeper side of commercial real estate and, and really analyzing properties. So, all right. So talk about that, the analyzing properties. Like at what point does somebody come to you in the process of them analyzing properties, right? I mean, it's sort of what prompts their need is, okay, I have this idea, then I right. now need to know where I'm going to go. Like, Explain that a little bit. Like, how does how do you help them, um, you know, figure that out? So I think probably very similar to to when you meet with folks initially. It's let's hear about the concept. Um, let's really hear about your needs, your wants. You know, certain people, certain uses obviously need different locations, different visibility, different building structures, different everything, accessibility, you name it. And so it really is critical to really dive in and try to understand exactly what they're looking for. And then candidly, I've worked with clients for a few weeks. I've worked with clients for two years. I mean, it it it, it really is a relationship and you really are kind of on this journey to find the perfect property for that person. And it's fun, but it's not always easy. You know, it, it often takes a lot of time and a lot of it ends up in no, frankly, you know, mm-hmm. it just, doesn't always come to fruition the way you might like, but but it's a lot of research. It's a lot of networking and not everything that you can go see online is the reality of what's out there. You know, that's a big part of what what we're, we bring is is connectivity to opportunities that most others don't know of or don't see. Uh, do you right. ever get do you ever get involved with the idea? Like like somebody comes to you and says, hey, I really want to buy some property. I'm not quite sure what I want to do with it, but I really want to buy some property. Or do you, or do they typically come to you and say, hey, I want to build a restaurant or, hey, I want to build an office building. Find me a property. Sure. You know, I would say like 10% is where someone's looking at a random parcel and saying, hey, what can I do with it? I mean, right now I'm working with a few people that are looking at vacant land. I won't give away the address, but Yes, it's land. There is no uh, predetermined thought process. So that's flip the coin. That's where we have to go back and research the market of whatever that is, whether it be retail, office, industrial. You know, is that going to make sense there? What are the rents? D- does it all play out so that you're cash flowing, making money? Uh, and then we get into topics of are you an owner user? Are you buying this as an investment? And when I'm buying it as an investment, how much do I have to put into that building to kind of get it teed up for what I hope or think I'm going to do? Uh, there's there's a lot of variables that that go into that. But once in a while, 
you know, a client will come and say, hey, I've got a vacant piece of land. I might like to put a little 15,000 square foot something there. You know, who are going to be my users? What type of rent am I looking at? You know, if it's mixed use, who am I putting on the ground floor as retail versus office on the second and third floor? And really analyzing that, you know, the scary part is for us is that the numbers that we pass along to folks, our research is real and they often very real count on it. And so it needs to be thoughtful and accurate. And, you know, that's that's serious. You got to be really careful about that. Again, as far as, as getting it involved in the client's ideas, most of the time, most of the time, whomever is buying it has a, a specific thought in mind, whether they're an owner user and they're going to use that for their own business or if they're a developer, a lot of times they'll have a client in hand, do a build a suit, or they, you know, it's a strip center and maybe it's got a couple of vacancies and you're going to fill it up. But, you know, the majority of the users, if you will, are in place. Uh, so it's not all that often that a client's sort of, you know, getting in deep with you about their thoughts, but it does happen from time to time. And how often do you, I guess, bring in an, an architect or bring in a civil or bring in a consultant to a client that comes to you with needing property? Like, are those, are, are those team members already set or do you bring them on? Good, great question. That often depends on the sophistication of, of the buyer. You know, a developer, uh, someone that's done a lot of transactions, typically will have a, a team that they've worked with in the past on other things, lenders, attorneys, architects, contractors. You know, they've got a bit of a network already. You know, when folks are newer to town that are coming in, uh, which we've seen a lot of the last couple of years, frankly, they they don't have that connectivity from living in town for years. And, you know, we see a lot of that. Or if they're this is their sort of their first or second development or their first or second build out, if you will. Often that's when guys like me can say, hey, look, you know, I've got a great architect. You got to call Baron and where I've got a great lender, you know, I mean, and, and you've got these 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 folks in your back pocket, if you will, and, and you pass them on. But I'd say 60, 70 percent of the time they, they've got their own kind of network and folks that they work with. Yes, sir. So the next episode after you is about site planning and um, sort of, you know, the codes and, and municipal requirements within each and within each jurisdiction. How much do you need to know about codes? It's a great question. Well, I mean, listen, candidly, they're changing all the time. So it's, it's hard to, you know, to be the master of city of Sarasota, Sarasota County, Venice, Charlotte, you know, it's like it, it, you could spend all day almost just reading this stuff. But what we generally do is focus more on the broad strokes of zoning. Okay. You know, I'm not going to try to figure out if uh, all the setbacks and all these things that architects know, you know, but what I am going to do is make sure that the property is the right size. Okay. Uh, you know, what's my coverage ratio in that zoning? Is it, it you're going to be able to put a big enough building on there? Make sure the zoning is correct to do what you want to do. If it's not, you know, wait, what's the future land use? Is there an option to rezone to a zoning that would allow you to do what you want to do? But a lot of that also falls into land planners' laps too, right? And so often it's referring that business out to the right people. But on the generalities of it, absolutely. I'm going to know all the zonings and all the different counties. I'm going to research it. 
I'm going to call the the planner for each county if I have questions, try to field those answers and and get it bundled up to a spot where someone like yourself or a, a you know again a land planner could could roll with it and uh, you know get the final answers. So, so how many pro- properties do you typically look for as you're going through all of this and thinking about it and you know I mean and and it's funny because every everybody I I talk to. I think one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is so that people hear how much goes into all of the different, you know, careers that we've all chosen, sure. right? You know, I think there's a there's potentially at least a stigma to real estate, oh, it's easy, and it's not. It's it's just there's so much to it and there's so many different things that if you choose to, to to know that stuff and choose to learn, it makes it that much more one complicated but also successful. Uh, you know, ultimately. Right. So, like, how how many properties do you have to go through this thought process on for a typical client? So it fluctuates, but but generally speaking, you know, on the buy side, okay. So if I'm representing a client that's looking to lease or or buy something, you know, that process can can take. It never does. It could take a few weeks, but it generally takes, you know, several months. You might go look at 30, 25, 30 properties. And keep in mind, every time that your client gets a little excited about a property, there is a lot of homework that goes into that. Now it sounds like, hey, I just like that one. Well, we gotta, there's all kinds of like you just said, we gotta check out zoning. We gotta look at deferred maintenance. We've we've got to um you know, get with the agents, the sellers, really mastermind and craft this deal because we're not just talking about finding it. We're talking about the contract process, getting to closing. And this can all take a lot of legwork and a lot of man hours, or I should say people hours. And and you're right. It isn't like, hey, uh, you just get to do a quick search and send one, uh, somebody a list of a few properties and bingo, you got it. it. It just isn't like that. You know, it can fluctuate, Baron, but Geez. Well, you and I have worked with a few clients where it's been a year. We've looked at 20 different properties and, and, you know, unfortunately that, you know, weren't, weren't the ones, but it's a lot of legwork. A lot of time goes into this. And I know people think it's easy peasy, but it's, it's not. Do you find you ultimately do find a property? Like, is there a, you know, is there like a percentage of, of clients or projects that, that you maybe never do find a property? Generally speaking, you will find it in time. And it's funny, clients' expectations and thoughts change during this process because they'll have a a thought in mind, a location in mind, and you'll go look at 5, 10, 15 properties in different areas. And all of a sudden, they're like, you know, I, I actually don't love this area so much, or it doesn't have as much traffic as I thought, or the ingress, egress isn't is, is what I thought. I'd like to maybe look over here. And so while you may have done, you know, a month's worth of research sort of in this quadrant, you know, pretty quickly, you're now over in this quadrant and it's kind of got its own tempo and vibe and, and research that has to happen. And so, you know, that's funny. That's after a while. That's how we get so familiar with our territories because you literally are constantly bopping around trying to figure everything out. And, and I think that's where with time, folks like myself create value because we've been in and out of half of these buildings two, three, four times and actually know about them, uh, you know, know their, their ups and downs, if you will. It's a long process. And that's, I mean, candidly, that's why we get 
a decent wage. I mean, it's it's a lot of work. So, Eric, do you find a difference between, I guess, your your interests even between buildings that are already built and you're looking for like a tenant build out versus you know ground up looking for land? Like, is there is there a big difference in your world between those two? Absolutely, big difference. Um, a lot of people are can get their head around looking at an existing structure and saying, hey, if I took a while out over here and if I put a, you know, if I manipulated this a little bit, I can get it to where I need to go. The risk is much less for starters uh, as far as just the little things that can go wrong during the construction process. And that's not to say it doesn't get done. It's just the brain damage associated with it. And you know that better than anybody. It's often more expensive to build something from the ground up and if you don't know what you're doing, and I get it's your job, but I mean, if you're that that person that's b- doing the the client, you've got to have some pretty good wherewithal to make it through a ground up project where it could take nine months or a year versus, hey, I'm going to buy this building in 90 days. It probably will look like I need it to look. Uh, and there's not a lot that you can do for sweat equity also. Like if you're the buyer... You know, you want to try to do a little work on this yourself, come in on the weekends, do a little whatever. You don't get to necessarily do that because, you know, it's a ground up and it's all kind of handled by contractors and subs. So I feel like that, generally speaking, you need to clients on the more sophisticated side are more comfortable with doing a ground up project like that. Where and And again, I can't emphasize enough the timeline. You know, a lot of people don't want to wait a year you know, to, to move into something. They don't have the time. They need to kind of get in as quickly as possible. And that's what really drives that. Let's find something that's existing that I can get a contract or an architect going, you know, at closing almost and, and really, you know, get going. So, you know, I found that generally most clients try to avoid candidly doing a ground up project unless they've got a very site specific type use or they just can't find anything that makes any sense and they, they want to go for that build-up process. But it's mostly the time I think that people struggle with, you know, the, the length of time it takes to, to go get it done. It's amazing how much goes into everything we do in this world. You know, I mean, right. in, I'm not saying world in general, I'm saying world in the industry, in, in, in right. construction and development and, and what we do. So can you explain to the audience how somebody works with, or, you know, works with a, a realtor in terms of agreements? Like, do they, do you just, do your work for a period of time until you find the property and then you get paid? Do you get paid up front? Do you have a contract? Like, how does that all work? I wish we got paid up front. I, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not necessarily because it's, it's sometimes a function of percentage of, of the sales. No, you're right. You're right. So our industry is, is reasonably close to residential and the commission structure process. You know, it's typically six, seven percent if you want to list your property for sale or lease. And and that's all a pretty normal fee, although that can even be structured differently. It depends on how big the sale is, kind of what's going into it, the relationship and all that good stuff. Uh, but as far as time goes, Baron, there really isn't a specific timeline. I mean, it's uh, like I said earlier, it's kind of a journey uh, that you you embark on with your client. And you, again, you might spend a year working with someone and have made zero and spent hours and hours and hours of your life hoping and working hard towards a successful conclusion. 
but there's no absolutes and there's no guarantee of anything. It's, it's, it's faith in your client, faith in yourself and working hard to find that right thing. And it, sometimes it takes some time, you know, as far as fees go, I'd mentioned, you know, that generally we're, we're very uh, similar to residential, but, but there really isn't, you know, we get paid at the end, we get paid, you know, upon the closing of a transaction in, you know, with land, for example, you might get a, a land deal under contract and not close on it for 12 to 18 months. So I'll, uh, this is my be my last question. So w- what's been the most satisfying sale for you sure. in your 20-some years? And and it kind of um, chimes in with what I just said about time, right? So we had uh, that property that was an eight-acre parcel, and we had it on the market for five years, five, six years. It's a long time, right? Wow. Field and phone calls every day, you know, having to react to those calls, conference calls as a result to that, you know, multiple meetings, five years worth, man. And we did end up selling this parcel for, uh, and, and really we hit it at the right time. It was on the market for seven, eight, and I ended up being able to get it up to 13.5. And, and it was a great time a year or so ago in the market. Uh, it was a very long transaction. It closed very quickly, which was exciting because it was already entitled. So they didn't have to go through all of that. It was kind of a, you know, package deal. But, you know, that was one of those things where it took quite a long time. A lot of, I can't even, tens and tens of hours of, of, of field work and phone calls and follow-up and marketing. And we did get that closed here about, you know, nine months ago or so. So, it was an exciting one. A lot of these properties, you literally feel like they're your kids when you're done because you've, you know, you might, you might have them on the market for six, seven, eight months. You might show these things 50 times before you find the right buyer, right? I mean, you literally get to know these properties like the back of your hand. And and it is kind of it's it is a nice release when they they close. You're like, hey, you know, happened. Everyone's happy usually, and you're off to the races, right? No, that's great. Uh, you know, look, I think the lesson of this episode is is how much time, as you keep saying, it takes to find the right piece of property right. for your idea, right? So I, I can't tell you how many clients have come to us and said, hey, I have this great idea. I want you to design my building. And we say, well, do you have a property? And they go, well, no, but I want to design the building so I know what to look for. And we always <laughs> say, stop, don't pay us. Don't go there. Find the property first, and then we'll design your building. And that's a whole nother episode as to why. But it's all about getting the property first. That is key to being able to move on to the next steps of getting your approvals and designing and construction and all that. But without property, you know, you're, you're, you're just sort of talking at that point. And in order to find it, it just takes a tremendous amount of time. You know, and one other thing I, that we didn't tap into so much, but that is kind of at the crux of a lot of this is is the market itself and availability. I'm working with multiple clients right now today that I just, you can't find industrial space. That's our big weak spot mm-hmm. right now in the market is that there's simply more demand for industrial than there is space to provide it or to fill. Um, and that part can be frustrating. You know, r- retail and office... There seems to be a fair amount of of inventory out there. You got to look, but it, it it it's out there. And industrial is tough though right now, and so that's a whole nother, you know, issue that one can face is 
lack of, of scarcity, I guess, really, of, of, of opportunity. So that's just another thing to pin up there. So you just did you just have to be patient or do you shift or adjust or, or so let's let's you know that's where this job also gets interesting. So for a guy like myself, that means I've got to now go out and start cold calling, which is fine. I mean, we do it all the time, but that while it sounds like it's easy to find the uh, principal's phone number, it's often not. I'll burn an hour and a half just going through these different search engines and trying to track down that principal's you know email or phone number. And you finally do it and you get a no, but it's fine too. I mean, but, but like that's something else no one talks about is just the legwork trying to uh, track down these folks when you're trying to cold call. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it takes a lot of time. You might call 15 different numbers before you, you, you get the right person to pick up the phone, you know? Right. But that's another issue I know that locally we've been facing for the last year or so is, is, you know, just not quite enough inventory out there to make it work. Right. Yeah. Well, again, uh, I think this was a great conversation. Thank you. And um, I, 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 as I said, I, I think the, the the takeaway here is just how much time it takes. That's right. And, and, and how important it is to take that time to get the right property um, and and to ultimately be able to see your vision come to life really stems from that, 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 uh, that, effort, that initial right. ac- acquisition and that right. effort. Yeah, that's right, sir. Well, listen, I can't thank you enough for having me on. It's been wonderful. I mean it. Thank you. No, I appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking to you about the next property. Yes, sir, <laughs> we do. We'll be talking soon. I appreciate it. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed my conversation with Eric Massey and tune into the next episode when I speak with Allie Palmer, a planner with the nationally recognized firm Kimley Horn. We discuss the process it takes to get through city zoning and site planning and yes, It is as difficult as it sounds.